Welcome everyone to the Fresh Off The Screen podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Amanda Man, also known as Aman. And on the other end, we have our resident Star Trek aficionado, Harvey. Harvey, how are you doing? I'm good, Aman. How are you? I am good. So this is your weekly podcast where two siblings get together to talk about all things relating to film, television, sometimes music, and a bit of sprinkle of video games. If you want to support the show, please follow, subscribe, comment, rate, and all that social media mumbo jumbo. We also have our social media channels in the description below. So, Harvey, first of all, how are you doing? Sorry, I, did, I kept continuing with the with the intro. <laughs> how have you been? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've I've been very good. I'm looking forward to our discussion today. Yeah, today's quite spicy. We're going to be talking about our top five movies, but that will obviously be for for the later half of the show. I think it's a good way to start off. Just what are you currently watching? You know, I, I think we'll go across all the all the stuff, movies, TV shows, even video games, if you're playing any video games right now. So what are you currently watching right now? Oh, I'm so, so many things, really. But the ones I'm generally in the middle of um, are uh, The Expanse on um, Amazon Prime. I'm watching, uh, I just started watching Altered Carbon on Netflix, which we should talk about once you've seen it. Um what 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 else i think those are the ones from the shoe from the sort of the tv show's point of view so i started the expanse as well i literally just started i think a week ago so have you watched the entire thing no i think i'm on season two if i'm not mistaken but then i got distracted by altered carbon so i have to go back to the expanse okay i'm also season two yeah i mean okay we, we can talk about it a little bit because I honestly, I, I was watching the show initially with, with a lot of interest. I was quite interested in, in, you know, watching the show and I was interested in the premise and everything. But I don't know, over time, I just like, it just became like my friend slash Simpsons show that I just plays in the background and whilst I'm doing something else. I don't know what happened because it is an interesting show, but for some reason, it, it just turned into this show that... I honestly just kind of lost complete track of, and I'm on season two, but I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> I, 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 it's weird. I sort of feel the same way. Um, it, it's, it's probably I still have to pay a lot of attention because I think there's so many topics in there, but I don't know whether it's the whether it's the filming of it, whether it's the volume of the dialogues, or whether it's the dialogues what themselves. It kicks you out of the show. It kicks you out of the premise. And unless you really want to go back and, you know, rewind or whatever and then um, re-watch something to figure it out. Um, yeah, it's I, I'm, I've lost touch of the main plot, like the, the main like scientific issues or the political issues that are happening. I'm just now taking each episode as it comes going. Yeah, I remember something about that. Yeah, that's OK. It's, yeah, it's that's a unfortunate. Good exactly. That's unfortunate for a show like that because you can tell they did put a lot of effort into you know, kind of creating that lore and that story in that universe. Mm-hmm. But like you're saying, it's like when you get to a certain episode, you're like, I have no idea what's happening. Like, I, I feel like some, they talked about the UN and the UN had something going on the side. Mm-hmm. I think that's related somehow to this. But like, what is happening? Like, it's too much information to like in, in very small space of time. I mean, I, I might have to look this up, but I, I do think there was a book series behind it. And... And that's and and that's where oh yeah I am right so it's so it's a book series by James S A Corey, but that's so I feel like there's a lot to do right so it sounds like there's a big set of books behind it, uh but 
so they've they've taken that lore and somebody's done a good job of making sure all of that lore is covered but i feel like tv shows either get lost in too much detail or not enough detail and they lose the book readers as well it sounds like a great idea right you've got all of this you've got the history you've got the the un and you've got all of these belt planets you've got mars which has been colonized it's a brilliant premise it's it's a realistic premise of what our future may look like but I don't know whether it's too much detail or whether it's just the actors. It's thrown me off the key points. And I'm not sure how, I mean, look, it might get better, right? There's like four seasons of this. That's kind of what I heard or I keep reading as well. Is apparently the, the later season, especially the new season, is supposed to be really great. Oh, okay. That's good. So I, so I will keep watching. Um, I'm not going to let it go. So I, d- I did start watching The Expanse about a year, year and a half ago, I think. But I think two episodes in, um, it lost me and then I just moved on. <laughs> so I've but gone... See, that's the thing, if, yeah. I feel like if you're not feeling it, if you are if you watch like a couple episodes and you're not really feeling it, this is the thing that I always hear about with Breaking Bad and, and like some other shows like that where people are, are honestly just not able to get in. I, it, it just comes to a point where do you really need to force yourself? Like if you're not enjoying it, it's kind of like, you know what, let's move on. There's so many other other TV shows and movies to watch. Yeah, and sometimes it feels better coming back to a show after a while versus um, trying to make yourself go through it because exactly. you really weren't into it. Yeah, um, I, think it's, I think it's good you got a break for like a year and then you came back and you're like, okay, you know what, I'm feeling the expanse right now. Let me watch a couple of episodes. It is, it is pretty serious. There are a lot of serious topics. There's a lot of, I mean... I find that it's a very realistic picture, but um, but yeah, no, I'm just I'm gonna keep watching. So I think we should come back to it once we've moved on to more seasons to see what we think. But have you started watching Altered Carbon? No, I, I I mean I've seen I've seen the first season. The first season I really really liked. I loved. I think his name is Joel Kinnaman. I yes. loved his acting. I loved that guy. I loved the whole premise and everything. It was so cool. I I loved the first season. I rewatched it in preparation for the second season and I found that I loved it even more like I literally even though I know exactly what's going to happen I know exactly what the story was I'm still looking forward to to each subsequent episode which is so cool I love when a show does that so have you finished the entire uh, new season um I'm I think three episodes in and I think I'll let you watch it before we discuss our initial thoughts so let's park altered carbon till next week because I have thoughts a lot of thoughts. Okay, no, de- definitely. I'll definitely <laughs> catch up. I'll definitely catch up by next week. And I can already tell it's going to get spicy. So I'm liking this. <laughs> but I mean, on my end, I think other than The Expanse, I, I kind of mentioned it. I was just watching The Simpsons. And, and uh, you know me, this is just a show that is just kind of playing in the background, right? I, I like, it is a good show. It is a funny show. Uh, it has its funny moments. But, you know, it's just a show that I like having where I don't really need to pay attention. I can be on my phone. I can be going through my emails. I can be texting you or talking to you. And it's just playing in the background. So The Simpsons is just yeah. like my new friends, I guess. Uh, something in that way. And so I've started recently watching Family Guy. So I'd never Ooh, seen yeah. Family Guy before. And that's become one of those shows for me. So I, I, I'm following the story, but I don't really need to be focusing. You know, so usually if I'm pay, playing a game or like reading or something, I'll switch it on and it's just something funny happening in the background. And it's really, I mean, some of the storylines are brilliant. They've done such a good job. Yeah, I mean, it's like McFarlane. I mean, I love the oh Orville. I'm, I'm about to finish season two. I have like the last episode of season two to go. But I'm like, I love the Orville. Oh, Orville. Oh, that's also one more thing I have to watch season two of. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay, I guess like I can just kind of talk about that. Like the Orville, yeah, I mean, what a, what a show. Like it, it's so 
it's still crazy for anyone that doesn't know, like, Seth, this is like Mar- Seth MacFarlane's Star Trek parody kind of a show. That, at least that's what you think it is. So the first <laughs> season was, uh, like, at least the first couple of episodes of first season was very much Seth MacFarlane's, like, pitch to the studio that, hey, I'm going to make a Family Guy-ish version of Star Trek. And, of mm-hmm. course, they were, they were on board. But as you progress, you can see the change in tone. You can see that he actually has some really cool, serious ideas that he wants to put in the show. And, and there there are definitely bits of comedy. So it's not like there's no comedy at all. There are very, very small bits of comedies. But around that is a very, very serious premise. It's a very, very serious story. Very similar to when you would watch like Star Trek, First Generation and stuff like that, right? So, and the overall season two is is a step up from that. It's, it has comedy bits, but like not as much as the first season. But it's definitely like if you want your Star Trek fix and you're not really getting it through, through Picard or, or through any other means, or the other one, a Star Trek Beyond, like the Orwell is actually very, very good. Yeah, I was, I was very impressed. I'm, you know, I'm, I've been a Star Trek fan from the beginning. I've watched the original series, Next Generation, all of those, and I really love them. I, I love the new Star Trek, the recent Star Trek movies and stuff. So I started watching it, knowing it might be a parody, but at the same time, hey, it's, it's something new, right? And I was very surprised by the first season with the level of topics, with the with the issues they brought up, the fact that he's not actually taken, um, he's not he's not gone and taken existing sort of species that Star Trek came up with. They've come up with brand new species, brand new abilities and and um, and backgrounds and histories, and that is so interesting because you've suddenly got somebody who's actually thought about it and gone, hey all right, what if we need somebody like this? We need somebody like this. And and, and you can see that Seth, Seth MacFarlane at work. It's it's a very inventive yeah. show. And I am um, and I can't believe that I have not caught up to season two yet. I really need to. But talking no, about Star like Trek, it. talking about Star Trek, I have been watching Star Trek Picard. And I have, I was pleasantly surprised. Is it actually as good as, as it's been built up to be? Um, it's, I would say it's better. I did not think oh, wow. it would be this um, deep as it were. I because it's it's um, it's gone against the normal Star Trek uh, procedural type show where you're dealing with one issue each episode. It's genuinely a series about Picard. It's like a TV show, right? You have a season. You're doing something about it. You're you're working through 10, 20 episodes through an issue. And that's exactly what Picard is. I've, I, I've only watched two episodes because I'm saving the rest so I can watch a couple together. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I was very, very impressed. Well, I'm excited to check this out because I knew, I, I know that it's been getting a lot of good reviews and a lot of people have been talking about it. But of course, you know, because I never had that prior knowledge about Star Trek the Next Generation, I never really like watched it. I think I only watched like a couple of episodes like way back. So I, I never knew if like I could get into this, but like hearing this, I mean, I definitely want to check this out. <laughs> but the thing with the Star Picard also, the great thing is you don't have to have watched all of, you know, Star Trek Next Generation or know about Picard or know how the story ended or, or know anything about the movies. Technically, this takes, this starts af- after one of the movies, right? But they give you enough of the backstory in the show that you don't have to go and watch something else to be there. And they quickly make you a part of it. Because, yes, it's a show about Picard, but they have so many new characters, new things, new abilities, new new everything, 
that you are already sort of looking forward to those people. What do they do next? And that's, I think, the brilliant, and that's potentially why they managed to get Sir Patrick Stewart back. Because if you were going to make a normal standard Star Trek type show, why would he come back? So I think that's that. That's been a very very good one. And thanks for reminding me. I have to go watch that too. Oh my god, there's not enough hours in the day. <laughs> is, there, is there anything else that you've been watching other than these shows? I mean, no, like I've little like Netflix shows here and there, but all comedy stuff. Like I was watching a few comedy specials. Tom Popper's new specials is really good. Oh, how um, is that? I've Netflix. seen that pop up on my uh, Netflix feed thing. Really good. Like it's he talks about some really good issues, but also it's not very heavy. So it's something nice to have on in the background, bit of laughs, and he okay. does a very, very, very good job. I think on my end on on Netflix, I've obviously I watch um, Narcos Mexico, the the next the season two. Uh, I think or season three. I, I think it's season two. But it was it was great. Uh, I just I really liked I, I like Narcos like in general, like the whole shows, uh, the first show and then Narcos Mexico. Um, I obviously did not like the season as much as the first one or just the season prior to this. Just because I don't know, like I think maybe it's because of the first like Narcos show itself, which is not set in Mexico, right? That was just like Narcos, which was in Colombia and it was dealing with Pablo Escobar and his empire. I feel like just because of the type of person they showed Pablo Escobar to be and the stuff that he, I mean, this is obviously like all true story stuff, right? So in terms of like everything he had actually done when, uh, you know, when he basically told the government that, Hey, like, let me back into Colombia, I'll pay off our country's debt. Or he's like, Hey, I'll, you know, you want me to go to prison? Okay. How about this? I'll build my own prison and <laughs> I'll keep myself there. And that could be our deal. And like, this is, this is how crazy like that whole story was and kind of going from that to, to Narcos Mexico, I think like I like it's still a very good show and it's well thought out and like the story and, and characters are really interesting, but it just doesn't compare to that show itself. So I keep in my brain waiting for stuff like that. I keep waiting for something's gonna happen, something crazy is gonna happen, and like nothing really <laughs> does. Because in my brain, I'm like, oh, this guy, you know, Felix, I forgot his like last name, but like that's like his that's like the main uh narco or like the main uh main villain of the of the show or whatever the main like drug lord that we're focusing on in the in, in narcos mexico so i was always waiting for him to like do that next like crazy thing but like nothing like that happened so i'm just like okay like i can see this is a good show but i'm like where's the craziness you know yeah but that's but that's what i'm i i, I kind of i agree it's sometimes the first show is so strong that you when you look at subsequent stuff you're sort of looking at it with the same eyes and yeah. I'm not going to say anymore, but you really need to watch Altered Carbon so we can talk about this. But yeah, no. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so fresh in my brain. But I, I agree. Like I, I started watching the original Narcos, but as that happens, you get distracted by something else. And then I never actually finished the original Narcos series. So I obviously know about Pablo Escobar and the stories and stuff. So I need to actually go back and watch that and then watch Narcos Mexico because I am a big fan of Diego Luna and he's done such a good job in so many shows. And yeah, he's, he's a great got, actor. He's a I'm great really actor. looking forward to it. And um, did you hear they had, they're making a, a Star Trek, uh, Star Trek, uh, Star Wars, Wars yeah. show with uh, Diego yep. Luna. That, yeah, that would be so good. I'm so ex- I'm glad they're exploring more of that Rogue One um, storyline. I thought Rogue One. I mean, nobody kill me for this, but the new the new Star Trek. So I keep coming back to Star Trek, right? Yo, you the, can't the do that on this st- show. You can't do that on this show. I'm just letting you know, man. You can't confuse the two. This is a very big no-no, man. You gotta get your Star Wars, your Star Trek, your 
Transformers. I don't give a shit, man. You gotta get that shit right. Transformers. Um, no, so the the new trilogy of Star Wars with you know Ray and Poe and everyone. While it was okay, um, I I actually loved Rogue One a lot more. So I would actually go and rewatch Rogue One at any time because of the storyline and how it sort of all came together. Hell, I, I have no idea why people hate Solo so much. I actually liked Solo. I kind I of wish like they too. would have explored a little bit more of it. I don't think anyone had any issue with the with the movie itself. It just didn't do well. It just it just commercially didn't do well. The story and everything was actually good. I would have loved to have seen Solo Part 2. Exactly. I, I wanted to know what happens once his, you know, girlfriend's flown off in a in the thing to the Sith Lord. Like it it is such a cool premise to 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 show that Han Solo actually had a backstory rather than just some pirate guy floating around in space, uh, just sort of committing crimes and owing people money until uh, Luke and Leia came around. You know, he actually yeah, well, had a history and a family and a life. He's like one of those characters that we honestly don't know too much about just because of everything we've seen in the Star Wars uh, movies. So it would be so cool to actually explore Han Solo and how he got to that point. And that's kind of what they were doing. And just because this movie wasn't, like, you know, commercially successful, they just kind of fully gave up on it, which I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe move to Disney Plus. Maybe make yeah. a TV show out of it. I mean, there's so many things that I feel like they gave up. And, and my problem with um, Star Wars is something similar to my problem with DC. I feel like everybody wants the next Star Wars movie to be um, a new hope. And it's not going to be. Yeah. Let's realize that and move on. It's never going to be new, right? So that was new. That was brand new. The trilogy, Darth Vader, The Force, Yoda, everybody was brand new. So hence, there was a different sort of a feeling and a different sort of emotion attached to it. You're not going to get that. You want to keep milking that for more movies? Go ahead. But don't expect the same level of success. Yeah, I'm not sure why everyone kind of keeps looking at the Star Wars like cinematic universe, I, I should say, as like the thing that every every movie that will come out is going to completely, you know, rock the world, it's going to break the internet. But that's just not going to happen anymore because when Star Wars first came out, it was like, wow, what is this space opera with lightsabers and Sith Lords <laughs> and Jedis, you know? Like obviously now we literally know everything. We know everything about that universe. So nothing's going to be new. <laughs> But that's my problem with the movies. Like, I, I I, feel like somebody not that creative went to somebody and said, hey, let's milk Luke, Leia, and Han Solo a little bit more and make three new movies out of it. That and, and I, and look, I'm, I'm assuming everybody who's listening to this has, has watched the Star Wars, the new Star Wars trilogy. But I, at the end, I am not happy about Han Solo's end. I'm not happy about Leia's end. I'm not happy about Luke's end. Hell, I'm not happy for the legacy they actually left behind. Your new hope effectively doomed the Empire for the next however many years until a random girl came from nowhere and helped it. I, I don't even know what the hell happened in the end. Like, you yeah, know what I'm saying? It was, like, it was, it was a very, very disappointing end compared to movies like Avengers Endgame where you feel like they actually wrapped up stories of people. This just meant you you gave us fan service with, you know, Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher for three movies. And that was it. Yeah. Like, talk, talking about uh, families that are, are having a hard time coping with star, uh, intergalactic 
uh, universe, whatever. Uh, I'm going to talk about this show called Heptify. That was like a very bad transition, but whatever. I don't care. <laughs> We're going with it. I'm going to talk about this show called Hentified. I mean, it's, it's, it's gen- it says gentified, but uh, according to uh, my girlfriend who speaks Spanish, she said it's Hentified. So the G is, it's an it's a H basically. And it's a really, it's a really, uh, like, honestly, it's a really great show. It's a really great comedy show. It's about this uh, Mexican family that has a taco shop in, in Los Angeles. And it's about like you know, uh, the, the like the two cousins actually no three cousins and the granddad kind of like working at on the at the shop trying to like get people to come in and stuff like that. And there's obviously like branching stories and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I I just really liked it. I, I started watching it just because it popped up on my uh, on my on my like Netflix feed and I just saw the trailer and I'm like, okay, this looks pretty funny. I want to try this out. And I gave it a shot and I was like, I was surprised. I couldn't stop watching. It was just one episode after the next. It wasn't anything like The Expanse or the, or the or the Simpsons. It wasn't anything like that where I just kind of couldn't watch it or I was just like watching it with, with something happening in the background. I just fully sat down and watched the show from start to finish and I really liked it. I'm like actually excited for season two. I'm, I'm looking forward to that one actually. I've been... Um, I also really like the look of that trailer, uh, and I really was excited to watch this. Netflix, um, I mean, I know we're not, we're not experts in this area anyways, but Netflix has done a really good job with what they call Latinx shows. So talking uh-huh. about Latino culture and things like that. So uh, I was a big fan of the show that they canceled, but then another TV uh, studio picked up uh, called One Day at a Time which was a revival yes. of the old like 70s and 80s. I really loved what they did. And I never understood why Netflix said, let's cancel it now. Um, while I'm great that another, you know, uh, channel has picked it up. Um, looking at all of these shows coming up, like, like Hentified. And um, there was another one called um, something about Ashley Garcia. And I saw a couple of episodes of that. And you actually start seeing why they said no more of that, because they actually had all of these other shows in the pipeline. Yeah, where you're talking about people who have uh, Latino backgrounds and culture, and who are looking at their lives uh, in in sort of the normal normal society, like they're they're normal Americans, but they just have a different perspective. So yeah, I'm looking forward to these these shows. Exactly, it's really it's a really good show, and and I think that's an issue with Netflix because they, usually they they put up a show for like three to four seasons and they cancel them, and that's like a known issue when it comes to Netflix. Yeah, and look, at the end of the day, um, they, they have to do what's right for their business. And and while I would have loved to see more of One Day at a Time, and I'm glad I get to see more of it, um, I don't think it ever left in a bad note. I think it was a great show. So I'm perfectly fine with them putting up new material or, or new types of shows to cover different experiences. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm glad that they actually look at some they focus on certain cultures and certain people living in certain areas and, and kind of focus on that. So I like, that's kind of why I really like Tentify. I liked one day at a time, you know, and it's just, I just like the, when it come, kind of combine comedy with obviously serious issues that are happening in this culture in, in, in especially in the U S and they kind of combine that with like, you know, just, just kind of slapstick comedy, just having like fun at the same time. I just really, really like, I really enjoy that. Yeah. And they've done a, They've done a very good job. I think recently I also read a report that they are bringing a lot of um, Nigerian cinema as well on. So whether it be movies or TV shows. So Netflix has actually gone out. Um, I saw a comedy special by um, by a few Indian comedians as well on Netflix. So they're actually now reaching out to different countries and going, all right, what is important here? Who is important in this culture? What can we bring out? 
can we yeah. make a show here can we make a movie can we do and and that's been great like netflix did um did a a tv series uh, on an indian book series called bard of blood which i loved so much because they did such a good job they've taken a, a book written by you know it's 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 a writer from the region who's gone and and, and written stories um about effectively um it's 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 all based on you know trying to stop terrorism and things like that but they did such a good um i couldn't stop watching the series i watched it all in one day oh wow it's absolutely worth worth checking out and and don't worry if you don't if you don't speak hindi they have subtitles as all of netflix does which i love so much i appreciate yeah i mean i feel like i've watched so many of these spanish shows and stuff like that or i i cuz i also watch anime and with anime that's always a thing that happens like you have the japanese uh dub and you actually have the english subtitles with it and uh, honestly it's not a not a big issue even hentified it was it was primarily obviously it's an english show it's a, it's a hollywood show basically but mm-hmm. i think 70% of the time they're speaking spanish and you know like you just kind of pick up stuff you just kind of like as as i say something i just kind of start picking up and i'm like this is awesome you know this is kind of such a great way to kind of show different people different cultures exactly and i i love that netflix has gotten that opportunity and i like that um it's pushing other other streaming services to do the same whether it be you know amazon prime or hulu or or hbo um you've actually got people reaching out and making sort of sort of changing the dynamic of the world as it was which is great I appreciate that. So, talking about changing the dynamic of the world, what do you think about Zelda? We're going to move you on. You need to work gonna... on your you need to work on your transitions, man, like seriously. No, you got to this is going to be raw and amateur, yo, man. This is how it's going to be for a little while, okay? Just get get just get used to it for a little bit. I'll I'll figure out after like the 14th or 15th or maybe 100th episode. Okay, perfect. I'll hold you to that. <laughs> so, okay, Zelda, what do you what I we're going to talk about the video games. um in my case obviously it was very similar to what i talked about last week but i want to know about mm-hmm. zelda because i know you you got back into that game yeah so i took a break from breath of the wild for about a year and a half um which is a big break um i and i was sort of mulling over my head yesterday whether i should start from where i stopped or whether i should just restart the whole game altogether and i i started where i stopped and i played it for about 20 minutes and i realized i've forgotten the controls i've forgotten <laughs> how to fight i have um i've forgotten what i was doing where i am which is more confusing because i know there's a quest and i can't figure out what that quest was um so i'm going to play around with it a little bit and see how i go but in all honesty after about 30 minutes my brain went uh how about we just play civilization 6 instead so i started a new civilization 6 game <laughs> Of course. I feel like you you are truly addicted to that game. Yeah, but it's it's I finally experimented enough that I know, okay, this is how you need to go. And I figured out so now I figured out how to how to actually do well in the game. Yes, disclaimer, I turn off the barbarians because they annoy me so much. <laughs> but now that I figured that out and I figured out what's the right way to expand and in which direction you go and um what's the right sort of growth strategy for these things um i'm enjoying it a lot more because then when something new comes your way you know how to deal with it yeah so i i and and what i discovered was all these scenarios that they have um in the game so the one that i play a lot is something called outback tycoon 
where you pick like an Australian state that is trying to expand and effectively you win by having a, a lot of uh, money per turn. So then you have to go and you have to find all of these resources. You have to start your settlers settling early. You have to start um, start effectively improving your engineering and your mining and all of that so you can quickly make more money per turn. And it's only a 60-turn game. And I'm having so much fun with that because I've not been able to get more than like 300-odd coins per turn yet. So I will keep messing around with that so I can do better. Yeah, I think when it comes to Zelda, I think one of the main issues is that that's kind of one of the selling points of this Breath of the Wild game was that it's basically open world. Um, there's no clear waypoints in terms of what you're supposed to do for the quest line or for the story. And I know in your case, you've played like more than like 100 hours already, right? Oh, yes, I have. Uh, more yeah, more so than 100 hours. I've gone like back and forth. I've got the map thing now and I feel like I've gone weird places. Yeah, see, the, I mean, I in your case, to be honest, like, don't don't restart the entire game because it will it'll take a really long time to kind of get back into it like obviously get used to the, the battling system and everything because i think it's it is kind of like riding a bike once you kind of get back into it it will come back but yeah. i think you, you can just kind of like even if you can message me like after the show as well like let me know where you are and maybe i can guide you or i can like also like look it up on on youtube or like online and we can kind of figure it out because yeah definitely don't don't restart if you put in 100 hours man I know you. You're not gonna put another hundred hours in this. Like, might as well have, keep it where you are. I have Skyrim sitting as well, which I haven't played much of, and I want to go buy The Witcher. So I'm making myself not go buy it until I at least finish Zelda. Yo, forget The Witcher, forget uh, Skyrim, because Animal Crossing is coming out in March. That's the only oh game we need. Oh my god! <laughs> That's the only game we all fucking need. It's our Lord and Savior, whatever. This is the game. <laughs> Uh, that, this this is a game that will build bridges between people. This is this is what we need, man. And this oh time, turmoil. I'm so excited yeah. for this game. I just remember you and I spent so much time on our 3DS playing this game. So much time. God, I miss that game. Like, I mean, it's such a nice, mindless game to just play. I love it. I love it for that. I love that I don't need to remember a whole backstory. I love that I can just spend the entire time fishing. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. just so good. Which I or, or catching like the bugs or something like I don't know like it's just it's it was just one of those really really cool games. I mean, I I, I don't get me wrong like I Zelda was was brilliant like Zelda is brilliant and that's sort of why I, I'm I'm was half going maybe I need to try it again because maybe I need to get back and get vested in it again. Yeah, and that's my concern because I'm like because I'm not invested enough because I'm not. I, I guess I'm not as invested as I was when I first started it. Um, it's just, uh, I, I feel like I'm not going to be paying as much attention. But I, 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 I'm not restarting it yet. I'm still going to give it another go and, and see how, I, how how it goes. So you have till March 20th, basically, to figure out the, the Zelda dilemma of yours. And then it's <laughs> Animal Crossing from then on. That is true. Oh, my God, Animal Crossing. I just, I just wish... Um, I mean, I know, I know the Switch is built to be portable, but realistically, with everything we have to carry around to work every day, I can't carry my Switch, you know, for commute. So I really, really wish um, uh, it was it was more uh, portable. I know they've got a smaller version, but really, um, buying two of them just makes no sense to me. But it is pretty chunky for for the whole portable aspect. Even I realize that it is kind of heavy. Um, it's not something that is, you know, that's easily just kind of, you can just take it with you kind of like the 3DS was. 
exactly exactly and i kind of i kind of miss that but you know what it's it's something you get used to um like it's uh, i mean like civilization for a six for example oh my god i keep going back to that game um they have the version on on mobile and that's actually been really good like initially it was very clunky and it used to crash all the time but now uh, the mobile version is working so amazingly that sometimes that's all i'm playing in my commute it's really really good and i love that they've done that so let's kind of move on towards our topic of the show which is the top five movies of 2019 so this was kind of building up from last week we mm. didn't get it get a chance to kind of go into it and it's and for good reason, we had a lot of other stuff to talk about. Um, obviously, on, on my Google Doc, I kind of put down just general notable releases for 2019. Obviously, I won't. We don't really need to say it on the on the show itself. But um, how would we go? How would we go like this? Well, you you'll do your number five or your first movie, and then I'll do my first movie, and we'll kind of go back and forth like that, and we'll kind of talk Sounds through good. it. Should we? Do we do special mentions first? I think let's do them in the end. Let's see how the okay, top five go first. Because, so I'll start with a, a movie that I know is on your list as well, which is Knives Out. Yes. I I did not expect much of that movie. You know, like I had read decent reviews here and there. And obviously it's got Chris Evans. So, I mean, you know, he's going to do a good job. You know, then you've got other brilliant, brilliant actors like Daniel Craig. And I mean, they've done such a good job. Just the fact that the entire story was brand new. Like nobody thought of it like nobody said it's it's like a mystery film but at the same time it's like an entirely new concept to us because we're so used to used to superhero movies it was um i think it was absolutely novel and i think that was one of the best movies of the year for me and i'm looking forward to the next movie that's coming out because i, I hear they're making a whole um series of films um with daniel craig as the main character so the basic premise, like how would you kind of des- describe the basic premise of that sh- of that movie? So Knives Out is is effectively a movie. So you've got a family who are together for a celebration. Turns out that it, there's a tragedy. Somebody dies, and then it's a matter of figuring out who did it. Exactly, That's... it's like a very typical murder mystery, basically. Exactly, like it's a murder mystery, just just a who done it about. Uh, because what you start off thinking is never what happens in the end. And so I think the acting. And everything. Obviously, I'll kind of talk a, a bit more about it when I go through it on, on my list as well. But just the acting and, and the writing, everything put, put together was just so perfect. And Ryan Johnson, I mean, what a what a director. I mean, he got so much crap for um, The Last Jedi, and I have no idea why. That was a great yeah. movie. He did such a great job. Like, that was actually something different. And I wish they had continued in that vein. But Ryan Johnson just does not get, not get enough credit for what he does. So I'm really glad that he's got um, uh, the applause for this movie because he actually did such a good job. It was something absolutely fresh. Um, and, and yeah, it was just something so, um, so different. Like, I, I, you know, the movies where you were actually engrossed the entire time and you wanted to go longer because you want to know what else happens? Exactly. It was just that good. Exactly. And, I mean, that kind of leads into into my number five uh, movie for the year, and that's Parasite. It was honestly, for me, the same thing. I know this movie won uh, Best Movie of the Year at, at the Oscars and stuff like that, too. And just kind of a basic premise, it's basically about a family that's kind of down on their luck. They're, you know, on the lower economic scale, no, lower socioeconomic scale uh, in Korea. It's a Korean movie. And, you know, it's about them basically kind of finding ways to, you know, make money, kind of get up in terms of their socioeconomic status, uh, be accepted in society. And obviously it's kind of 
challenging so many societal norms and things about a society in general, not just in Korea, but also like our society, you know, in, in Canada, Australia, uh, in India, stuff like that. And it was just such a well thought out, well put together movie. Uh, of course, I mean, it's, it's all Korean. So it's all, you have subtitles and everything like that. And the, I think the person that wrote the subtitles for that movie, uh, I believe that person is also doing very well. I don't know if they, they went, uh, they won a lot of awards or something, but they've been also getting a lot of recognition because of how they translated everything that was being said in Korean to the subtitles and how it perfectly matched what was being said, because that's always an issue when it comes to foreign movies, right? Things exactly. don't translate well. And this person apparently did such a great job. Uh, you know, and, and when I was watching it, when I was reading subtitles, I got every little thing. Obviously, in my brain, I was like, oh, maybe, you know, there was something that was lost in translation. And I remember asking one of my Korean friends here, and she said the same thing. She was like, nope, everything was spot on. Everything was perfect. I was like, I was like wow, like this is such a well put together movie. And they, of course, um, the director, like he, he uses a lot of cool imagery, cool way to kind of show the line between where certain people of socioeconomic status are versus other people. And, you know, obviously I'm trying my best not to ruin it too much because it just won be a best movie. I'm sure a lot of people are kind of wanting yeah. to watch this movie. And I want, I haven't seen it myself, so I really am looking forward to watching it. Um, uh, I saw it win uh, the, the best picture and it was already on my list, but it was just one of those things that you never end up going to watch. Um, you definitely so got to see it. You definitely got to see it. It, yeah, sounds, no, it's such a, it sounds really good. It's, it's so good. I mean, I think just what they did and everything. And of course, I think before this, I loved that movie Snowpiercer, which again has Chris Evans in it. And Snowpiercer yes. was such a good movie. So I was like, wow, I'm already old. I'm already in. I mean, the uh, director, is it Boom, Boom Sung-ho? Um, is that his name? Um, he's not I, really I believe so. I will do yeah, my best not to butcher his name. That's why I kept calling yes. him the director. <laughs> but I, thank you for just saying it. I will do yeah. that for the next time. But, but he's done <laughs> He's done a really, really good job. Um, and he's finally getting the applause um, as well. And the fact is, like, all of these movies is what, what it is. Like, Oscars was never built for just Hollywood. It's built yeah. for movies, right? So you, you, you're looking at movies elsewhere. So it's really nice to see foreign movies come up and not just be treated as a foreign film. This is a mainstream exactly. film that everybody's loving and enjoying and you've got millions and millions of people who love it. Why would you not recognize it? So I think they did a very good job. I'm glad to finally see um, other, other language movies actually become a mainstream part of Hollywood because they are. They effectively are. Yeah. No, exactly. I think this has paved the way for so many of the foreign films to be considered for that award because I think just putting them in that foreign film category is is I don't I don't think I think that category should just go away over time. I think those those movies should be respected and should be put into all the other categories and should be considered for all the other categories. And maybe this is the one. Maybe this is that movie that kind of paves that way. So what about number? What was so? Is it me next? Yeah, so I'm, I'm just going to quickly go on, on to my number four just because it's Knives Out. My number four oh. movie of the year, <laughs> Knives Out. We quickly kind of talked about it. Uh, I don't really have anything new to add other than like yeah, the same thing that actors were amazing. The premise was so new and so novel, which is I feel like in this day and age of superhero movie, you know, over barrage of all this stuff, like when it comes to TV shows and, and film and, and what, now this whole dilemma with DC Comics that we kind of talked about in the last episode, I feel like, Knives Out was a perfect palate cleanser that I needed. And yeah, I, it's an amazing movie. I, they did such a good job. 
Um, I, I, I didn't, I didn't rank a lot of mine, but I think for number four, I potentially would have um, Detective Pikachu. Oh, I like that movie. Like, I'm not, I'm not a Pokemon fan, right? I, I didn't play much of Pokemon Go. I didn't play much of the video games, but it's just the movie was so different, and the way they put it together, they did such a good job. And I, I know a lot of it is 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 credit to Ryan Reynolds as well. But it was just one of those movies that um, kept me smiling through the entire way, and they did such a good job. Yeah, what a movie! I mean, it was just such a, such a good premise as well, and I think I think you kind of said it there. I think Ryan Reynolds did uh, make that movie. Exactly. No, I'm with you. And I mean, I I think because of this, I'm really excited to watch Sonic the Hedgehog, just because that movie has been getting a lot of good reviews and a lot of good good traffic. Yeah, I've heard I've heard that as well, and that's on um, that's something that I really want to watch in the next couple of weeks um, as it's out now, and I'm very excited. I mean, I was very excited with the trailers. I I love the original Sonic game, you know that. Um, yeah, I absolutely love it. And uh, thanks to you, I have it on the Switch as well. But yeah, um, no, with Sonic, I I was surprised by how well this movie did, just because obviously they got a lot of flack for how Sonic looked in in the initial trailers. And they went back, they changed it, everything. They came back and, and and even then I was like, you know what, they'll come back, they might fix it and it'll still yeah. be a shitty movie. And then all of a sudden, everyone's like, you know what, it's actually a very good movie. You know what, it's number one in the box office for two weeks in a row. You know what, there's going to be a sequel and, and Dwayne Johnson's going to play Knuckles. I'm like, what? What? What is happening? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, this movie just blew up. But that's what I'm saying. Like sometimes I find like the feedback culture doesn't actually help. Like it's it's great for fans to be able to share and say, "Hey, I think you could do this better. You could do that better. I don't like this. I don't like that." But also at some stage, let's leave it up to the filmmakers to give us their vision. Because yeah. the more I I think a lot of our uh, happiness or disappointment with movies, unfortunately, has come out of what the public has said before the movie or the news reports. Um, I, I like we were talking about solo earlier. I find like a lot of solos non-success could be attributed to the to the back and forth within, you know, Disney and Lucasfilm and everything about, no, you're not gonna direct this. No, you're not gonna direct this. No, you're not gonna do this. And everybody just kind of went, Oh, they've changed this so many times, it's not gonna be good. Yeah. And and that's where it comes from. Like at the end of the day, can we just let the filmmaker give us their vision? If it's not good, it's not good. Let's move on. But otherwise, it's never going to be the perfect film for everybody. Why do we feel like we need to tell them every single thing that we hate it? I think that's the Hollywood culture or Hollywood studios culture that's just never going to change. It's just going to be them trying to find the director that they want and it's going to be them moving it from one script to another and it's going to be a bunch of studio heads looking at these movies or, or that script and saying that, Hey, is this in this, in this day and age, let me give me the analytics, give me the data. Will this, will this suit the audience today? Right. It's not about the creative vision. It's about meeting those analytics and that data. Exactly. Which is why when movies like Parasite or Knives Out come out, I am, I'm very impressed. And I've got another movie like that on the list um, that we'll talk further down the line. Um, but talking of the further down the line, what's your number three movie? So my number three, see, this is talk about transitions, man. Like, yo, come on. See, that <laughs> is a good transition. <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you that one. I mean, I gotta work <laughs> on mine. Maybe, maybe I'll let you take the transition from now on. But, <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate talking that. About, <laughs> talking about number three, uh, um, uh, for me, it's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's mainly because I love Quentin Tarantino films. I'm a big fan of Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, just a combination of those three together. 
and the premise. Uh, so just for anyone that doesn't know, the movie is basically set. I think it was between like the 1960s and 70s, and it's kind of dealing with the Manson murders um, that took place back then, and obviously it resulted in the in the life of of Sharon Tate, who at that mm-hmm. time was married to Roman Polanski. And basically, it's about uh, and Leonardo DiCaprio plays an actor or like an aging actor who kind of was at one point very famous, who was doing a lot of good, big movies at one point, but at that time, he's kind of you know towards his end of his of his career, he's not getting those big roles anymore. And he's obviously a fictional character; he's not based on anyone, any real person or, or anything like that. And Brad Pitt is his really close friend and also a, a stunt double who like does stunt, stunts and stuff like that for movies. So it's just about them existing in that space and also kind of dealing with that Madison murders and, and everything that kind of comes together. And if you watch any Quentin Tarantino films in the past, like Inglourious Bastards or Hateful Eight or anything like that, you can you kind of assume the type of movie this is. has a good amount of comedy with seriousness, with just craziness. And yeah, I just I just really like it just because I'm a big Tarantino film uh, film fan. Well, I mean, I gotta admit, I haven't I haven't watched this. I haven't watched a lot of major movies in 2019 and I'm catching up at the moment but this one um it sounds like it's absolutely brilliant and didn't Brad Pitt win the Oscar for this as well did he get the supporting yes. actor Oscar yeah I, did. I think oh, he got so an Oscar for this him. I mean Quentin I know, Tarantino I think the first one. yeah I'm, I'm really glad like Quentin Tarantino is is himself a really really good writer um and director like he does such a good job I I still love Inglorious Bastards and I was actually looking forward to and we're back to this the Star Trek that he was supposedly about to direct, yeah. but that just never materialized um See, I'm still keeping issue. my fingers crossed I'm still keeping it so I'm hoping I mean that that's the thing this is the issue right it's just this Hollywood studio they're like no this is not gonna work look at the data look at the analytics and they're like, nope, sorry, that's not gonna work. So it's, exactly, I don't know, like I um, and sometimes that's what we as fans we get shortchanged because we want to see something, we want to see something more, but unless the the data tells them something at the beginning, they don't want to commit the money or the you know the people, I guess, to it, which is unfortunate. Yeah. So what's next on your list? Ah, uh, next on my list, um, I have to give that to so. Uh, you'll see with my list, I, I, I am a big fan of animated films. And perhaps I focused on them a lot in 2019. So next on my list is How to Train Your Dragon Part 3. So I, I don't know if you've seen the other movies. They had, I've seen the other one. No, I haven't see, seen the third one. And the third one effectively closed out the series because it gave like sort of a conclusion to the whole thing. And, and you're trying to... It was just such a well-done movie that I thought it deserved the mention. Like it was... I sat and I was like smiling through it all. I don't cry in movies. I actually had a tear in my eyes in the end. They they did such a brilliant job. And the fact is they've built this relationship. It just wasn't disappointing. It's, it's how we felt when Toy Story 3 came around and they actually closed the entire arc before we knew, you know, Toy Story 4 was happening. Um, and it was just a, I, I, I am I am a big fan of the How to Train Your Dragon series, and they've done such a good job. Yeah, I need to watch this because uh, I really liked the first two, and then I didn't. To be honest, I, I even completely forgot that the third one came out last year. Yeah, I was I was actually looking forward to it because I knew this was going to be the last one, so I wanted to go watch it. Um, I was a little bit sad after it ended because I was really hoping for a few more, but I think that's where that that's what gracefully closing something means call yeah. it finish the finish it and finish it in a way that people are going to go home happy that's it if exactly. it doesn't have to be like rocket science it's literally just send them home happy sometimes it's just about 
um, studios just wanting to kind of milk money and just kind of milk these franchises as much as they can. But they've they've done it, and that's the thing with this franchise, they've done it. Like the amount of shows they've they've put out um, of this franchise. I mean, you'll see a few on Netflix. There's a couple on Prime. Like they've effectively covered most of the period between three movies. Yeah. So there's really nothing more to explore, and the fact that they've done that and 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 you know um, milked that as it were, but not in a bad way. Like it's never actually d- deterred people from liking the movies. So, um, very very well done, very well done film. Yeah, so, I'm excited to watch it. Uh, you should definitely. So what's number two on your list? Number two, I mean, this one was pretty easy because it was actually an issue of me choosing what was my number one. But in the end, uh, I put this movie at number two, and that's Uncut Gems. This is oh. the movie which I feel like did not get any awards, even though I feel like it should have gotten awards. Like Adam Sandler for it, so the main premise of this movie is it obviously has Adam Sandler in it. Um, I think it's d- directed by the Safdie brothers. I could be getting that wrong because maybe I'm adding the brothers part because of the Russo brothers or something. But <laughs> but either way, like it it's uh, you know it has Adam Sandler in it, and he plays this jewelry store owner uh, who's in the heart of New York, uh, New York City. And it basically he has a gambling addiction. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's about it. And the thing is that with this movie, I think it was like maybe two hours long. Not once did my heart not stop racing. It oh, just really? kept going and going and going. And this will obviously lead into my number one later as well, because it was just so nerve wracking to just kind of you're, you're literally going with Adam Sandler throughout the movie, through his gambling addiction, through what he's doing to his family to everything that's happening in his life. And the way that they did it, but the way the music goes along with the movie is just fantastic. Like wow. it's on Netflix. I feel like everyone should check this out. And it's such one of the best movies of 2019 that no one is talking about. And Adam Sandler, like what an actor. I mean, any flag people give him for all his movies, I get it, man. But wow, he did such a great job. This movie kept me on the edge of my seat throughout. And even like all the way to the finish, you know, it was like this resolution, this kind of like, like relaxation that you get at the end of the movie and the way they set it up everything was just so perfect like i obviously don't want to reel too much but just no no going in that it's going to be very nerve-wracking it's not a movie that you just kind of watch whilst like eating something or maybe obviously <laughs> you can if you want but like i don't know for me it was just so intense i just was on the edge of my seat i couldn't even drink water i was like please like let's just get through this so i can go to the gym or something like i'm like damn man this is so intense like, uh, you gotta I, check this out I have to, I have, I know, I, this has been on my list as well. Uh, I do need to check it out and I'm looking forward to it because I've, um, I mean, and, and that's the thing that, so comedy actors get so much flack for doing non-comedy work because they should like stay in their lane as it were. But I'm really glad Adam Sandler's gone out and done this because he, he is a good actor. He's done such a good job. On a side note, actor. Adam, on a side note, his um, comedy special on Netflix is really hilarious. Oh, I haven't seen that. I, I oh, it's, watch that. it's very, very funny. Um, I think so, he's like the biggest. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was just saying that he. I think he's like the biggest money maker for uh, Netflix currently. Oh yeah, he does. He does such a good job. Like I, I, I know people say, oh, movies are stupid here and there, but you know what? Sometimes all we need is a stupid comedy on screen. So exactly. let's 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 get less highbrow about it and just sort of enjoy what we can. You don't want to watch it. You don't have to watch it. There's so many options. Exactly. But so I haven't seen that one. But for me, number two has to be Avengers Endgame. Of course. It it was, I mean, look, after Infinity War, like I literally sat there in the theater for 10 minutes knowing I have, I have what the fuck just happened. You know, and you're just <laughs> going, 
Like I knew something was gonna happen. I didn't know that was gonna happen. What what the hell? How the hell are they gonna get out of this? What's happening? Yeah. And 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 I, I get, you know, Endgame does have a few plot holes and everything, and we can talk about Endgame for like full episode, but it it, it just for me it actually meant a, a a very nice closing out of what they have been building for ten years. Um, I mean, we we mentioned this last last episode. Like, there there was a bit of fatigue after Endgame, you know, like with Spider Man Far From Home coming out, and and I I waited for about six months before I came, after I came out to actually watch it because I just needed a break. I needed a break from the universe, not in a bad way, but I feel like you you've invested so much emotional energy in their lives. I just want, or I I can't I don't have any more energy to give. Give me a break. But with Endgame, with everything from the actors to the storyline to them dealing with various issues from grief and depression to just sort of talking about how these 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 are these are human characters like they are they are they're superheroes yes but that still doesn't mean that they don't have um their own you know um lives and their own issues and stuff so they did a very very good job yeah, I mean it's a great movie uh, and a great ending to to everything that they led up to that point. And like kind of we were talking about how it's a lot of a lot uh, a big shoes to fill in for the Spider Man movies from now on. Oh, absolutely! Like I think um, I was not amazed with the new Spider Man movie, but you know what? Let's just hold judgment. We can look at the next phase and see how it goes. But given that some actors did such a brilliant job like for you for me robert downey jr was the standout actor of this movie he did that actor in all the avengers movies actually that's that is true i mean he has the charisma i know captain america is the de facto leader and all of that he's great and chris evans like honestly they couldn't have done better than chris evans but robert downey jr really deserves some credits like at the very least he does he deserved a nomination for any of these awards that's happening and this is why i find that even though they make the most money for some reason hollywood thinks they're too highbrow to actually recognize these as movies yeah and i don't understand why like no every movie cannot be an intellectual thing like you know or or cover serious topics everything cannot be like that you you, you're fine with looking at a movie adaptation of a book or a comic and, and, and rating it on how well they did on how they brought it to screen. Um, yeah. So I think I, I, Endgame for me closed it out so brilliantly. And, and, and I think I'm, I'm really glad Russo brothers um, have made their mark in such a nice way. I mean, I felt the same way about Dark Knight. I feel like that was a movie that True. deserved a lot of awards, but unfortunately it didn't get nominated for an Oscar and for best movie. Sorry. It didn't mm-hmm. uh, Christian Bale didn't get nominated. For anything, Heath Ledger obviously he won an Oscar for his acting, but yeah, I feel like that movie should have been best movie as well. Yeah, and and that's the thing, like movies like this um, are such a big part of our lives, but I feel like the award shows are making are alienating themselves a lot more from the public by not actually supporting this. I mean, yeah. I can't if 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 all the movies you've nominated have five movies that I've never seen or probably will never see, why would I bother tuning in? I agree. And um, yeah, so they, I mean, there's, there's a little bit of work to be done, but I'm look. I I was I was so happy with Avengers Endgame, uh, and I think I re- I recently rewatched it on Disney Plus as well. Yeah, I, need, I think I feel like I need to I need to rewatch it. And um, in terms of for me, my number one movie for the yes. year 
no doubt, Joker. I mean, <laughs> talk about a movie, man. I was just talking about Uncut Gems in terms of having like your heart on your sleeve and just you can't, you're like being on the edge of your seat and just you can't like take a breath for two seconds. Um, it was the same with this movie. Joaquin Phoenix, one of the best actors of our of our time, uh, deservedly winning the the Oscar for best actor. He just did such a great job. Like he shows you the proper transition of him as a person, just being in that city, living in Gotham, going through a transition and becoming Joker and becoming that character. And just kind of like, you see the steps, you see the buildup. And what I liked about it, kind of one of the reasons I like, I really liked the Dark Knight and, and the Dark Knight's Joker was because you can kind of relate to it, not in terms of you as a person, but in terms of what you see outside, what you see people go through, people who are pushed to the brink again and again and again, you know, and, and this is kind of when they, where they get to. And for me, that was just such a, it was just such a well thought out, well put together movie, you know, Todd Phillips, he did such a great job, you know, coming from something like Hangover and stuff like that, you know, making a movie like this and just hitting all the right beats, you know, like with Joaquin Phoenix and his Joker, I genuinely like felt with that Joker, I felt afraid, you know, towards the end, when you get to that Joker, when you see that person, you truly feel afraid. You feel afraid of this person, of who this person is, what this person has become and what this person might do to you. And, you know, with most of these superhero villains, that's always an issue. Like Thanos and stuff is great, but at the end of the day, I'm, I know he's not going to pop up in front of me and like snap his finger or something, you know, like that's not a, that's not like the fear, right? But like the way they did Joker was just so well put and well thought out. And I like more I think about it, the more I realize that the Dark Knight was my favorite film of all time, but slowly, slowly it's turning into Joker. I think Joker will definitely be my favorite film of all time. Like this is just everything when it comes to cinematography, uh, Joaquin Phoenix portrayal of Joker, um, how they kind of explain that Joker, like uh, his character, act, like he actually carries a card, which which says that he has like an involuntary like laughing disorder, which is an actual thing. I actually read this online, which is an actual thing. And they kind of, put that in with that character and everything, you know, when you, when you put it like that, I think that's why it's called like the, it's a DC dark universe. So where they're kind of dealing with certain villains and putting them down to earth and working with them on this, on that level and kind of putting them in a, in a very different perspective. That's kind of why I just really, really like this movie. And I can't say any, any like more like good things about it. I just love this movie. <laughs> I mean, no, nobody's actually born a villain. Like in any of these comic books, all of the villains have a backstory. They're there for a reason. Gotham did a good job by showing some of the um, origin stories, as it were, in a very, very small way. In the, They've not flushed it out. But that's why I like movies like Joker, where they've actually gone and shown something new. And I, and I, and that that weird criticism, oh, you're making the villains likable. Are you serious? At, yeah, at what, I, I at what stage that. will a normal human go, hey, they made a movie about this guy. That means I can go shoot up a movie theater. No, no, that person is disturbed in the first place. I didn't, so, I didn't understand that at all. So it's, it's, I feel like there's sometimes criticism for a reason, uh, for and sometimes there's criticism for absolutely no reason whatsoever, and 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 when people just want to make an issue so that they can talk about it, and yeah. this was, I mean, I think Joaquin Phoenix is is a great actor. Um, he is he's gone so under the radar a lot of times, but I'm really glad that he's getting recognized. And I, and I think I heard they're making another Joker movie, aren't they? I have no idea what they will do. I'm I was I'm pretty happy with them just having a Joker this movie and that's it. But I see I think they see money, so they're like, you know what, let's make a sequel. <laughs> Which is where it all comes from, always, doesn't it? Exactly. But let's um so let's get to the final one on my list, 
which is Klaus. This was the Netflix film about a postman and somebody called, or I guess it's an original story of what you might call Santa Claus. Have you seen this one? Uh, yeah, no, I, I didn't watch the entire movie. I actually watched up to like the half point because my girlfriend and I we were watching it. But like, I, I think she had to leave and we we're like, okay, we'll continue next time. But up to that point, like the half point, halfway point. Yeah, I'm like, I'm really liking it. I've Obviously, I'm not going to, I'm going to let you talk about it all the way. <laughs> no, I, I, that was one of those movies where I just switched on because I'm like, hey, that sounds interesting. Let's watch it. But you know, when you get to the end and you're like, oh, wait, that's, that was, that was very well done. That was different. That was new. You've talked about something we already know. You've got like little bits and pieces here and there, but you're effectively, it's, you could call it a kid's movie, but I don't think it is. I think it's, it's a movie for the entire family to go and talk about being nice to somebody, being, um, understanding what their background is and actually becoming, you know, actually making a community together. It, like the basic premise of the sh- the movie effectively was this this postman who got transferred to this remote area where nobody you, you know sends any letters um and he needs to find a way to get out of there so he tries to find a way for people to send letters to each other but in the process he meets this guy who who builds toys and it's it's about effectively trying to find a way to for to effectively have um, little gifts for children and for people to um, step out of their, their their normal like lives and their normal hatred for other people and actually uh, see that the other person is 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 just like them. It's it's just one of those movies where you just walk in not knowing what you're gonna expect, but you walk out feeling so happy and just just so happy with the, or just hopeful, hopeful for people, hopeful for what we can be and i I was yeah exactly and i was i was incredibly sad that they did not win the best movie at the oscars uh best animated film like look i get toy story had all of the history behind it but toy story never needed a fourth part this was a brand new movie with a brand new concept and they still thought Toy Story 4 deserved the win. I, I do not understand a lot of this. And I and I hate saying it, but I feel like a lot of this is them not wanting to support streaming services when I don't understand why. Yeah, I mean, that's always going to be a, a big back and forth, right, with, with these companies because streaming services are still kind of fighting for that recognition, even though they are very profitable. Yeah, exactly. Profitable, but they're also making stuff that normal movies, normal studios would not make. Because they don't see the money in it. Streaming services yeah. reaches so many more people that they can actually go and make something that goes to maybe only 20 million people because it's still good for them because those 20 million people are still subscribing for $10 a month or whatever it is. That's 200 million. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll, we'll quickly go over our special mentions as we're, as we're reaching the end of the show. Um, on your end, do you have any special mentions? Um. I think uh, Frozen 2 was really good. I thought that was a very, very well done, uh, follow, uh, you know, a follow-up. It wasn't a rushed one. Um, and I I do think the music was brilliant. Um, but other than that, I think uh, the only other special mention probably would be Captain Marvel because it was really nice to see her um, introduction into the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those, those are the big ones for me. I think on my end, mainly Rise of Skywalker, uh, 
fitting in yes. to the to the film universe to the film series sorry uh it's done it's finished i'm looking forward to i think it was ryan johnson who's heading the next three i'm not sure who is but whoever it is i'm like i'm just i'm i'm finished with the skywalker saga I'm, I'm done. i i am absolutely with you i am just just i'm glad thank you uh they're all gone they did a great job um we can work with that just give me something new i'm happy there are enough there are enough worlds in that universe for them to explore exactly Exactly. I mean, Endgame, of course, I really loved Endgame. I mean, I feel like anyone who's a superhero fan or superhero uh, movie fan enjoyed that movie with a fitting end as well. Um, Ford vs. Ferrari, this was a movie that uh, a really good friend of mine told me about, and I checked it out. And uh, as always, Christian Bale, amazing acting. Uh, James Mangold directed it. Uh, Logan, the, the, he's the person that directed Logan. And it was just a really good, well put together movie. It's about, it's actually based on a true story and stuff as well, about like the whole Ford Le Mans race and everything like that so I really enjoyed it I think if, if you're even in, remotely interested in in that stuff like when it comes to like cars or anything like that or if you just want something that's like an interesting true story in a way uh Forward to Ferrari is a pretty good movie uh Midsummer, very intense thriller um I like the director I forgot his name but I like the director's previous movie I think it was called Her- Hereditary and that movie was really intense or it might be someone else my bad I think it might be someone I'm not sure but I'll definitely make sure to get this Right next time, but Midsummer is a very, very intense movie. Uh, it's a thriller. It's about like these group of kids going to, I think, it's Sweden, like a remote part of Sweden, to attend a festival. And I'm not gonna say anything after that. That's all you gotta watch. <laughs> it's all you gotta know. Sorry, just jump in, and it's 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 not a horror. That's all I'm gonna let you know. It's not a horror. Okay. Just watch the movie. A lot of weird stuff happened. It's really, really interesting. And the Irishman. I mean, I like oh, yeah. I like Scorsese films. It was a good movie. I wish they made it into a miniseries. Because that that fucking movie was too long, man. I watched yeah. this movie in the theater because I was so excited, dude. It was fucking like nearly four hours. Like after a while, I was like, "Oh my god, when when will this end?" Like especially towards the end, there's a there's a part of the movie where you're like, "Okay, this is this movie is ended, right?" But then it keeps going for like another forty minutes. And I'm like, "What the fuck? Like, are you fucking serious, dude?" I'm like looking at the time, like, "What the fuck is happening?" And like that last forty minutes. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, but the last 40 minutes does not even feel like a good resolution. The last 40 minutes, I'm like, why was this needed? Like, this was not needed. So I'm really glad that then put it on Netflix because, hey, people could actually take a bathroom break. Exactly. So, like, on Netflix, I remember I it, they released it on, on in movies for two weeks before Netflix. So mm. I, when it came out on Netflix, there was actually, like, a thing online going around where people were actually distributing the movie into parts, into, like, three or four parts, saying that, oh, watch it up to this point and then stop. You can watch the next part after this. Yeah, and like yeah. I was like, man, fuck! I should have done that because this movie was long as fuck, and I'm watching the cinema. So, you know, I thought I was gonna go to the theater and like watch the movie, like like you know, like a highbrow person. But fuck, <laughs> man, I, I should have I should have watched it at home. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes you do. It's like sometimes, and that's what the thing is, right? Like that's where excitement for films comes from as well. So many films that I I find I I love so much for 2019. Like I made the effort to go in the theater. And a lot of times, that's what holds us back. Like, if you don't make it to the theater, then you have to wait for it to come to a streaming service or something like that. I mean, I'm one of those people who doesn't even have a DVD player. So what would I even play it on if I would go and purchase a DVD? So yeah. streaming services are, are the way I, I, I get to watch all of these like awesome movies sometimes if I haven't had the chance to catch them um, in the theaters. But the one special mention I do want to mention, and this is... Um, I'm mentioning it because I feel like I'm going to love this movie. I just haven't had a chance to watch it, which is Jojo Rabbit. 
Yeah, you gonna. I, I watched it. I think you'll like it. You'll like I, the movie. I mean, I'm a big fan of Taika Waititi, so that's like that's that's big on my list. I need to watch it, and I'm yeah, looking like, forward like to comedy, figuring out how to watch it. If you like his comedy and you just like everything, his writing style and everything like that, you you'll enjoy Jojo Rabbit, no doubt. Absolutely, I'm 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 definitely looking forward to it, and I'm sure once I catch up to all of these awesome movies that you've mentioned, we will have a lot to talk about in future episodes. Yes. So perfect. Thank you so much for joining. I think this will be the end of the show. So anyone that joined us today, thank you so much. And please email us at freshoffthescreenpodcast at gmail.com. That's freshoffthescreenpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your feedback, suggestions, any topics for the shows. Uh, we have all the social media linked in the description. As always, Harvey, thank you so much. We have a lot to talk about next week as well. So please catch up on your movies. <laughs> I will. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone.